When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Puck and Roll. I bite my tongue, it's a bad Hello, and welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. Today, we have a special episode for you all. Uh, We are going to do a World Junior special. Uh, The tournament just wrapped up, and there's a ton of players that I would personally love to talk about. And today, I'm joined by Aaron Idovich and Joshua Rosa. And uh, to start us off today, how are you doing? And which player surprised you the most during the tournament? I'm doing great because Canada won gold. And uh, David, you're a check man. Like, I had so high on him at the draft. I had him between two and three for a while, and I, I, I ultimately, went, I ultimately went with Cooley at two, and I, I stuck Yurichek at three. He is, he is going to be such a good NHLer. He's doing amazing things in Cleveland. But this was he's a special player. If he, if he could have even a breakout tournament. After what he's done in the AHL, this was a breakout tournament. He is such a special player. Yeah, I'm doing great. Again, can't be upset with the result for Canada. And I think my most surprising guy was uh, the guy that assisted on the gold medal winning goal, Joshua Wah, or as we like to call it, Joshua Wah. Yeah, I think he had a fantastic tournament and kind of turned me on a bit more than previous viewings but that's been a little bit since I've watched any of his stuff and um, yeah I think the probabilities of him becoming an NHLer went up and or his worth as a trade ship went massively way up not so much as like a one trade thing but if you get him as a sweetener for a certain um Quebec born healthy scratch recently, then uh, maybe think about that or a high draft pick. Who knows? Yeah, it's Aaron's favorite topic. Right is now. yeah, Aaron's favorite topic is is using Joshua Hua as a trade chip. You could go on about that for days. Days. So, what, what would you do with, with with Joshua Hua after this tournament? What do you think his value is, and what I, or who would you move him for? I don't think it's crazy to think that his value is pretty close to a first round pick. I would agree. And I, I think like, on a contending team, you could probably get a first. Like if a team they like him a lot. It's 11 games in seven, uh, 11 points in seven games. Still, what is he, 19? 19. Still 18? Uh, no, but he, he turned 19 in August. So he's, he's like, he, he was one of the youngest players in the draft. Yeah. So you're basically getting something pretty close to a 2022 pick. And he would have maybe gone in the late teens early 20s and 22 so that's that's value it is it it, it is I, I i was also very impressed with him I, I i've liked how he's refined smaller details in this game um one thing that that i was concerned about uh last season specifically with him was that he's one of the smartest players in the QMJHL, and he just used that intelligence to beat defenders to open space and just capitalize on all the space he had to work with in the QMJHL because defensive systems are awful in that league. And that despite obviously intelligence, one of the things that I value most in players and I always look for, but when you are depending on that type of, of advantage, like, and it, it's not an advantage that you keep in the NHL at least to the same degree, 
that had me a little bit of concern just because his actual tools aren't amazing. Like he's a good shot. He has, he flashes some very impressive playmaking as he did on, on that goal. He did very, very well to pull the defender towards him and he hit the, the perfect pass. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of just a lack of upside for me of look, may, maybe, may, maybe he turns into a not stylistic comparison, but in terms of role, like a, a Zach Hyman or something where he is complimenting your first line by, by kind of doing the hard work and, and opening up space. But that is like the absolute, absolute limit that, that I see with him. Um, I think it's far more likely that he turns into like a capable, intelligent bottom six guy. And which is amazing to have, especially like to be able to say that confidently about a 19 year old when the fifth round with overall pick, like, like, like he's doing great. He's doing amazing. But if you can flip a player who really has limited upside beyond the third line for a first round pick in a draft with this year's depth, like I, you pulled the trigger on that. Like I, some names that that could be available in the late first this year would be um, Gavin Brindley, uh, Jaden Perron, Axel Sandin, Palika, depending on I, how much they value size. I'm, I'm kind of Pinelli. starting to go. Oh, oh Pinelli is going to be there for sure. Like Pinelli is going to be available. I, I'd be shocked if he weren't. Um, but Barky. Bar- Barky is also going to be there for sure. Aaron kind of likes. Um, One of the there's going to be a lot. A lot, yeah, or, or a goalie, right? If the Habs want to pick a guy like Trey Augustine, which I would not hate at all. I, I quite like Trey Augustine. He's currently in my first round. Um, yeah, like I, there, there's a lot of options. And the way I see it is like Joshua is a really solid player that you just have to respect, not not only for fighting the adversity that he has in his, in his young career already, but just the, the style of game he plays, which is based on anticipation and forethought and timing, which is something I adore. And I, I know that our, our friend uh, Hadi Kalakesh likes him a lot for those very reasons, because uh, he, he values intelligence even more than I do in players. And, uh, and Joshua has that. He, he really does. And uh, it was a great tournament for him. So. I don't really want to get too caught up talking on about like trade scenarios because I want to make it seem like we just want to like get rid of them because he's he's developed very nicely and uh, he had had an amazing tournament. I wouldn't be actively shopping him, but like if you're getting into some rough trade talks and you're trying to break down a trade and you think "Eh, maybe what about this nice Joshua Wah here? I think that could really get a needle moving. I, I wouldn't actively be shopping him either, but I think when it comes to almost any trade, he's the most valuable trade ship that we have that we should be willing to part with. Because like we're not we're we're not actively gonna shop a first. No. Really, obviously not Caulfield, Meshar Beck. Like these are these are players we want to keep. Yeah, if Gua has similar value to Meshar, like where, which I think it's not that far off. I'd much rather yeah. keep Meshar. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree there. No question. 100%. Uh, and I, I, I named some names there uh, that played in the tournament. Uh, three, uh, four, four young draft eligibles that aren't exactly unanimous top ten talents, but who really impressed me personally. Uh, over the tournament were uh, David Reinbacher for Austria, uh, Gavin Brindley for the U.S., Axel Sandin Palika for uh, for Sweden, and Trey Augustine for the U.S. Uh, did any of you guys like notice those players during the tournament? And if so, what kind of takeaways did you have? So for Trey Augustine, we were talking about him a little bit before we started the podcast. And what I said is his puck tracking really impressed me. It's like he had eyes in the back of his eyes in the back of his head, and especially behind the net. Behind the net, and apparently Sebastian put the exact same thing in the scouting report. So yep. uh, the puck and roll like, word, uh, brains w- word right. for word in my scouting notes for Trey Augustine, I wrote down like 
uh, excellent tracking, and then in brackets, especially behind the net, exclamation point. And then when, when Aaron said that, I was like, have you hacked into my computer? Because that's just like exactly what I wrote. But I, I yeah, Trey Augustine is a, a really, really bang solid goalie prospect. And again, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a goalie scout because I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn. Um, and and we're lucky enough at Dopper to have an awesome goalie scout on our team. Uh, Colin Hunter, go check him out. Um, and the nice thing was that his scouting notes kind of correlated with with what what I saw in Trey Augustine, which is a hyper intelligent and composed goaltender who may not have elite tools overall, at least at the very least compared to another goalie who's available in this draft, Michael Robble, but is just so easy to project. And he's also the best US NTPP goalie in the past few years. And uh, prospect since Casa and Wallstead. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're only going back two drafts there. I mean, I'm thinking yeah, like, like purely, I'm thinking like purely NTDP. You'd have to go back to Spencer Knight to find a better goalie uh, that, that that has played for them. So, uh, but yeah, last last draft was just very weak on goalies, uh, which was good for me because it gave me a full draft class to scout without really having to pay attention to goalies, which was nice. Uh, but now I have a reckoning of actually needing to to to. Work on my goalie scouting because goalies, uh, goalies mess up my entire Excel spreadsheet because like I have the points that update automatically and it just does not work with save percentage. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. You have you have a stack sheet with the points that update. You have to send me your. Sheet. It was so complicated to make, and it works for like eight of the players. That is unfortunate. Okay, might like not you're able to link elite prospects updates with like a source code. But it's it's very. It took me a long time to do, and it barely works. Okay, uh, it's a work I'll in progress. You anyways. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, but in terms of goalie prospects, Trey Augustine is probably the one that I'm most interested in this draft class. Uh, again, there there are some other names out there, um, like Jacob Fowler or uh, Carson Bjornsson, uh, but. Really, Trey Augustine is the one that, that that's really stood out to me and the only one that I'm comfortable putting into my personal first round. Uh, but yeah, and and the other names, uh, Reinbacher, Brindley, and Sandin Palika. I know we've already talked a lot about Sandin Palika on this podcast. We are uh, definitely fans of, of his game and the way he plays. And uh, Go check out we'll our websites. Josh uh, wrote an awesome column about He did. Him. Josh did a little scouting out report, a, yeah. full, a full scouting report on Sandy Pelica. And it's also one on, uh, on, on Quentin Mustard that I still need to get up. I'm sorry, Josh. It's good. It'll get posted. I uh, haven't gotten to it no yet. Problem. It's going to go up. Oh. And um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I liked David Reinbacker uh, of Austria in the tournament. I think he's, I think he's going to, I'm looking at him being like a very solid second pairing defender in the NHL as his like realistic ceiling. Like he's already playing in a professional league, which is always a plus in my book. I love seeing prospects that prove that they could play at a high level. And as a defender, him playing against professional uh competition and being able to hold his own is just an amazing sign for his NHL um, future. And yeah, I think a very solid second pairing defender is there in Ryan Backer for sure. I'm not the highest on him personally, just because he has a very projectable game, but in 2023, I want to take the swing for upside. Like I, I agree. Would, I would take Palika or Oh, easily. I I would take like right now, Reinbacher is my, the fifth defenseman on my board. So I have uh Sandy Pelica, uh, I believe at like eight or ninth overall right now. Okay, um, I have uh Dragachevic, who is rapidly leaving my first round. Because I, I watched I watched you were, you were shocked games. you were shocked when I said I wasn't I watched him. two more games and I'm like what am I doing having him over like 
Wait, where's Theo Lindstein? I, I kind of like. Uh, where is he? Hunter Brzuskowitz or whatever. Bruce Davids. Hunter Bruce Davids. Oh. Remember when Cam Allen was a top 10 mm-hmm. talent in this draft? Oh. Which he's not. <laughs> in my notes, I have him in my 71 to 83 tier. That's, yeah, I've that's seen fair. two games where he's played very well and he's walked the line well, but he still doesn't make enough good decisions. He's got the tools, but like every he has time a I see him play, game. it's just like... And his dimension yeah. doesn't work all that well. Like, I just want to yell at him, do yeah. something else. Do You can do other things, and you have the skill to do other things. Just, That's it. I, the, I am... the really funny thing with, uh, with Cam Allen is... Every time I watched him play, I was like, please, for the love of God, stop shooting pucks into shin pads from the furthermost corner uh, from the blue line on the right-hand side of the net. Uh, and yes. the first thing I did when I got access to Instat, uh, which for those who don't know is... Uh, the greatest thing ever. The greatest program for scouts ever. It gives you access to every single game of every single prospect. And also has some stats that, that go with it, including shot maps. Uh, and the first thing I did when I got access to Instat was I, I, I looked at uh, I looked up Cam Allen's shot map, and it was just absolutely vindicating to everything I'd seen this season um, with, with Cam Allen. It it the back is it like he'd had like forty shot attempts from any medium danger area overall, uh, and like maybe like. 55% were on target. And he had 141 shot attempts from his back right hand corner uh, with like a 38% accuracy. And I'm just like, oh no, buddy. See, like, buddy I, I, just I like stop. Like stop shooting, please. Of taking a later round like swing on a player that slipped a lot from when they were like 16. Because like if you see a player like Atu Ratu, Atu Ratu, hundred percent, he, yeah. he never should have fallen out of the first, right? Never, never should have fallen out of the first, but he did, and yeah. that he he had a rough. He, he year. Even Brad Lambert, like, like yeah, Brad Lambert, Lambert, almost slipped out of the first when he was like this unanimous top three guy beforehand. And then they get back on track, and you're like, you have a guy worthy of going top ten for sure. Exactly. Again, like like one of the things with, with Lambert is, is okay. I, I had him at three on my board. In a redraft right now, I'd probably ha- bump him down to five. I have him at six. Uh, well, I had him at six. Yeah. Like, I- I'd probably bump him down to five. So, I probably, I think both Cooley and Yurchek have surpassed him at this point. Like, Yurchek. Sample would... size of rougher games is growing. Yeah. He still has his moments. And it's also a thing of, u- of utilization, right? I- I'm-, I'm very excited to see what Brad Lambert can do in the WHL on a very, very, very skilled lineup with, with Seattle. Like it's gonna be very very fun, but yeah. Where was I going with this? Where did we start? I I I lost track of where we were. Reinbacker. We started with Reinbacker. We, we started we somehow there. Start, yeah. Okay. Moved of course, over yeah. to so, Allen. So I said I said Reinbacker. Okay. Or I mean, look, I am I am German. I can say a good German Austrian name, David Reinbacher. Uh, he, the reason he's fifth on my sure. board. Oh yeah, I know. Gotta use my language skills. Um, the reason he's so, so he's on he's fifth on my board. Uh, Axel Sandby sending Pelicans at nine. Uh, then I have Mikhail Gulyayev at, at thirteen. Uh, then I have Dmitry Simashev at twenty. Wait, whoa, and whoa, whoa. Luka Kagnoni at twenty-three. You have David Reinbacker at fifth overall. No, he's fifth no, among defensemen. Oh, defender. good lord, no. Oh my god, no, no. The order you said that in because you said like I have. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, okay, I, okay. I can see what I can like, see where Pelic- No, 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 no. Uh, and then and then Reinbacher's at twenty-seven, which is I think more reasonable than five. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going full of full out guns blazing here. I think. I think what Josh said earlier. I I, I really couldn't agree with more. Um, Reinbacher, he lacks elite tools offensively. His his handling skill is one of the weirdest I've scattered this season. Um, he has a a locked top hand on his stick, and he then kind of walks his shoulder upwards, where like his elbows almost like over his head. It looks supremely uncomfortable and is very limiting in his movements. Um, not a very good 
puck carrier or puck handler. Um, but he shows nice flashes of using multiple lanes for zone entries. Uh, he's a far more capable passer in transition than he is a carrier. Uh, his actual defensive game, I think, is, is, is pretty solid. Uh, some really nice flashes of, of physicality, especially against junior competition. He clears the slot very nicely. I like the way he reads the game defensively. Uh, he can be a little bit reactive at times, but most of the time he predicts play very, very, very well. Uh, offensively, I, I like his shooting habits quite a bit. Um, he, he, he likes to go kind of into the high slot before shooting, but he does so when he actually has a reason to shoot. Uh, whether that be uh, like a complete lack of passing options and and also pressure from defensemen, or just uh, because there's a ton of um, like traffic in front of the crease, right? Uh, he's he's quite like thoughtful in 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 how and when he decides to shoot, uh, which I really do appreciate uh, for for defensemen. Uh, I I am, however, seeing some people that rocketed them up into like the top twelve conversation. Uh, because of a good, a good tournament, and that's not really something I can really get on board with. Um, I just I don't see this, the upside, right? I, I I don't think he has first pairing potential, but I, I think he could be a, a really solid defense first, second pairing guy. And if you can get that in the late first round, you're doing really well for yourself. So, I, like my my early I guess draft pr- prediction is that he's going to be the first defenseman picked. I, I I do I do kind of think that he plays the style of of minute muncher, uh, nice flashes of physicality, good production in the pro league. Uh, he's composed most of the time. Uh, he has some flashes of, of panicking under pressure, but, but he most of the time he's quite composed, floor. and he has a very high floor, and that and he's a right shot, right? And I think that combination is something that no other defenseman can really rival in this class, right? So you have, like, a guy like Dmitry Simashev, who I like more than Reinbacher, uh, because he he basically plays Reinbacher's game with more tools and better habits. Like, it's it's just, like, like he's... Roger for me. And, my... and, and he has no, no production whatsoever in the MHL, which is an awful junior league in Russia. So... It's really a thing of like, okay, Simashev, you have to start producing. And, and he is actually putting up some assists now, which is nice to see. But uh, he, he needs to be doing more. I'm not uh, in production. in myself into not liking prospects. So Yeah, yeah. But, but Simashev is a really interesting case. And uh, I, I, I can't get on board with like having Reinbacher over him. Uh, I've had many, 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 many conversations with... Uh, my my good friend Sam McGilligan about uh about uh Reinbacher specifically uh because I I I asked him like what he thought of him like maybe over a month ago and every single time either of us have, have had a Reinbacher reviewing since or seen a Reinbacher tweet we've been like going back and forth because he just doesn't see it like he 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 kind of sees Reinbacher as like a third round talent and and I'm kind of there like oh actually kind of late first but I feel like I'm kind of on an island. Most people with, with Reinbacher, it's like, okay, maybe you start spending on him in the third round, or he's a top 15 guy. And I'm here like late first. And I feel like I'm trying to like, like almost hedging bets, but I'm not because like I just don't see the upside to 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 justify a top 15 slot on my board. But I also really like the way he plays. And I can't have him back like way into my second round. Uh, so yeah, he, he's been a very interesting case, but he had a great tournament and, and the data, uh, really like does, uh, show that as well. Like if, if anyone does not follow Lassie Allenen or Mitch Brown on Twitter, uh, do it. Uh, they are both awesome, uh, scouts for, for EP ringside and, uh, they were tracking every single world junior game and David Reinbacher was one of the best defensemen in the entire tournament in terms of the pure numbers, uh, and doing so on a god awful team so uh he had a great tournament uh those numbers don't really change the way i feel about him they kind of reflect what i was seeing also because he had the entire burden of transition game for austria um but yeah i i I do quite like david reinbacher another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payouts. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Uh, and after that little ad read, uh, we will jump right back into the prospects. And uh, of the previous batch of players I mentioned, there's one guy we haven't actually gotten to yet. Uh, and I-, I loved his tournament, Gavin Brindley. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to really watch him with the U.S., but I, I didn't like actually go to any game deciding to watch Gavin Brindley. But I, my eyes were glued to him every single shift. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a really big Brindley fan, but did you guys have any takeaways on him? He's a hell of a player. I have him ranked something somewhere he, very high right now. I have he's eight. I, I have him at, at eight overall. I have him at ninth overall, right behind uh, Santi Pelico. You see, uh, I had that exact same ranking, and I, I swapped them. So now I have uh, Pelica at nine. But yeah, they, they they've gone back and forth uh, quite like, a few times. Sebastian, you're you're my closest scouting friend, so it's just kind of you like you say a player is good, and then I watch him like, yeah, this player is good. Like that's what happened with Jaden Perron. Right, he's good. He's yeah. really good. Jaden really Perron is good. awesome. He's yeah. having his top seventy-five. Who? I saw like some dude on Twitter, somebody oh. I wasn't even following. So there's a reason Ooh. for that. I mean, I uh, I surveyed it yeah. twice. I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to try to get our U.S. scout at Dauber like a bit onto the Jaden Ferron train, because like it, it, Evan Pace is our is our U.S. scout who's oh. awesome, uh, and uh, he I believe he has uh, him as a second round talent. Uh, so I'm gonna try to chip away because he, he also has uh, Gabe Perot ahead of ahead of him, and I just. Uh, I'm gonna have a conversation with Evan about about those players. I don't quite quite see that that way. Um, but yeah, Gavin Brindley. I was very surprised when the U.S. actually brought him to the tournament, just because he's a five foot nine draft eligible, and they had other options, uh, which is usually you uh, indicative like of that player like, getting. Tired. I'm not the highest on Will Smith. They Will Smith be. was sick or, or, or a slight, slight injury, so like that was like oh, really the reason. So he, he missed like one game. He he would have been fine. It's the same reason that Riley Kidney got, got cut in Can- from Canada, right? That or is so a minor injury, but then get cut. Um, but yeah, I, I I was surprised when they brought him, but he he was he was one of the US's top uh, best six forwards. He wasn't playing the top six, but he's one of their best six. And every shift, he just showed that intensity. Like one thing he really does have to learn is to to learn to dial it back a little bit sometimes because he goes 100% of his effort 100% of the time and he'd add some layers of dynamism and deception if he could actually slow down sometimes uh, and just be a bit less predictable with his, with the speed but it, it's suffocating like he his intensity his speed uh, his pace of play is just it's all so high and there's so much to work with there I really like his playmaking. I, I think he has a pretty good release as well. I and and he was constantly a threat through transition. Uh his assist on the on the goal that Kenny Connors scored for the US in, in the semifinal against Canada, like he created that by a beautiful zone entry. Just like like cutting from from the the, the wing and then across the dotted line. And going attacking the middle of the ice upon entry, he just he he spaced out the, the D's and then passed it back to Connors, who had enough space to take a shot. And it was just beautiful, just perfectly executed. It made me very happy inside. 
because I'm going to be transparent here during the tournament. I was not cheering for any country. I was cheering for players. I was just like, oh, I love this player. I want this player to succeed. Uh, and that was kind of my 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 thing the entire tournament because I because like yeah. I I I like when people are a little unhappy. So I was like kind of hoping Czechia pulled it off. I mean, I wanted Slovakia to win, to beat Canada in the quarters. Uh, just I think that would have been a beautiful storyline uh, for Slovakia, right? Because this is the golden age of Slovakian hockey. Like, it's, it's beautiful. I, I wish the Habs had let Slavkovsky go uh, to Absolutely. the tournament. But, yeah, again, it's, it's also a thing of, of, of maybe I, I, I found it difficult to kind of get into the headspace of, of cheering for Hockey Canada this tournament Same. and last tournament, right? Where it's just like, of like, Yes, I know. I know the team represents the country, and these individual players are are so proud to represent their country, which is wonderful. And it's nothing against them. It's just I have a really hard time cheering for what is in the end an organization, which is Hockey Canada. Uh, um, one moment that really made me happy was the crowd was insane. Oh my, yeah! Like when we turned off for ages, out, you you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, and that, that yeah. made me smile. No, for sure. And I, I mean. Uh, I, I I thought that Halifax and Moncton hosted just an absolutely exceptional tournament. Wow. Obviously, I wasn't there, but every single person that I know of that was there is just raving about how amazing everything Halifax. was handled, uh, how how friendly everyone was, just how booming every single game was. Right, like like you often like like in, in Edmonton, for instance, when you had games between like smaller nations, right? I'm not sure if. Like this, these exact matchups happen, but like if it was like an Austria Germany game or or Austria versus Latvia or, or something along those lines, there'd be what like maybe ten percent of of, take, uh, of people in the seats, maybe fifteen. And I think even in those games in Moncton, you were having like seventy five percent attendance, right? Like I just really really impressive stuff, and uh, just a, a great tournament. So I, I do I do wish they they held a. a more tournaments outside of Canada because uh, I believe like five of the last seven or of the last eight have the next been one Canada. Is in, uh, Sweden. The next oh. one is in Gothenburg, yeah. uh, and I, I know uh, one of our previous guests is very much planning on going there. Uh, Jordan Harris, the the other the other Jordan Harris, the other uh, Jordan Harris, yeah, the other Jordan Harris, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. You you mentioned uh, if there's one team I really wanted to win, Team Latvia, man, because what they were fun. They, they were, were good, good this year. They're really good. You watched me draft yeah, the yeah. contracts league. <laughs> and I drafted Downslock Menace and Santos Fulmanis. I drafted both back to back. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And you could have had the defenseman as well. The QMJHL defenseman. I forget his name right now. Uh, he, went, he, went, he went undrafted in, in real life, but uh, was, I was. I, I, I looked him up at Elite, on Elite Prospects a few days ago. Um, okay, but... go to your search history. Come on, no. You're really going to make me go on Team Latvia? Now I, now I really need to figure out what it is. I'm not editing this out. This is, people just get to kind of. This is just, this is, this is no, transparency. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nick Svenenko. Nick Svenenko. Nick Svenenko. He plays for Bay Como in the QMJHL. Has had very impressive production in the Q, but is really just a defensive guy. Like, very, very simple offensive toolkit, um, but very good use of of his physicality. Someone that, again, that I think could could very well or should very well have been drafted last year. And this is an embarrassing moment for me. I did not know the Bay Como QMJHL team existed. That is embarrassing. Yeah, you should have known that. Is Bay there Como, a I mean, prospect in this entire team. Uh, I, I mean, I can check. I can, I can see if there's anyone worth knowing. I mean, no, no one's drafted. Um, where even is, is there? Como? It, I mean, it's it's in Quebec, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is very helpful. I know. Uh, do I recognize any other team? I did not team? recognize a single player on that team. Uh, oh wow, that's far. That's really far. Yeah. It's like um, north of Saguenay. Yep. Anyways, uh, Nick Svenenko was a cool player. So I was I was hoping that he'd have been on your team. But you have a chance of drafting him this year, Aaron, uh, in our fantasy league. 
I think you should because yeah, Nick Spadenko no, is also just a great yeah, name. I'm not boosting my picks. I mean, in the seventh round, eh. like, look, are, are, no one, no one of like of like Perron's caliber is going to fall into the second round this year in in, in, in our league. In, in real life, Jade Perron could very well be available in the, in the second round. But Slavkovsky went first, so we never really know. But on, I mean, thing is, in terms of actual fantasy, because of like the physicality and stuff, yeah, that true. could still turn out. Uh, but you David Yearcheck's uh, looking good Yerchek. for you. David Yearcheck's looking very, very good for you. Um, a bit jealous of that one, but I, look, I, I won that trade so hard. Yes, but look, I, I got Shane Wright out of it, so I'm, I'm not complaining because Shane Wright had a very good tournament. Uh, Shane Wright's looking pretty damn Honestly, good. I'm just gonna turn into Grant McCagg whenever it comes to our fantasy team, like our fantasy league. Shane Wright mm-hmm. sucks. Yearcheck is amazing. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the name that we all want to to talk about today. <laughs> but okay, we we've talked about some more of like the depth guys. Another okay, for eh, telling what depth guys isn't right, uh, or any of these guys depth guys because they're all first round talents. Um, but another name that I thought had a, had a pretty solid tournament was Dalibor Dvorsky, who also has a great name. Um, but Dvorsky had a really solid tournament, and uh, for me, I have him at 18th overall. Uh, I he he has a very mature, refined two way game. I I just I I'm not sure if I see first on outside, which is the reason that he's in my mid first rather than in a top end. Um, but he had a very solid tournament. Uh, very nice soft skill. Um, his small area handling is quite a good strength at this point, and the shot is 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 really what you're picking him for, right? He's not a very good playmaker, but he has an exceptional shot. And he knows how to use it. He knows how to get into scoring positions. And um, he's one guy I, I'm going to watch one more time before I release my first top 32 rankings, just to be sure I don't want him any, any higher on my list um, than 18. But uh, yeah, he, he had a good tournament. But with that said, let's let's actually get into uh, the, the big names that were at the tournament. And uh, there were three in terms of 2023 draft eligibles. And that's Conor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, and Leo Carlson, who are one, two, and three on my board currently. Uh, any thoughts? Really? Like, like did, did, did anyone stick out? Like, like I, I know Conor Bedard only played, like, like two minutes in the entire tournament, like, like Owen Beck did, but, like, I thought he looked pretty solid. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like, Conor Bedard is, like, I, I, I posted a tweet yesterday while watching the final, and basically just said like every single time I feel like I've fully gotten to appreciate Conor Bernard's excellence as a hockey player. He does something that even I didn't think he would try to do, let alone execute. That was um, another level last night because yeah, I knew the, di- the diving past the slot. Oh, oh that's not what I was going to talk about, even though they should make a, like a, a statue of that. But I, the most impressive thing Conor Bernard did last night was in the interview where the, oh my god yes the I love asked him to talk about his play and he completely shut her up and was just like this team and he, he immediately did that where else are you gonna like he's younger than me where else are you gonna he, find he, he turns 18 in what july july 17th 2005 yep like he's gonna be 17 years old at the draft he's gonna be drafted as a 17 year old Yes. Where else are you finding a 17-year-old that just won the biggest thing you can win as a 17-year-old and goes immediately to just not talking about himself at all? Like that is yeah. insane character. Yeah, I I mean look, like b- before before the tournament, I had Bedard and Pantilli in the same tier. I, I was very conscious of the fact that I might not keep them in the same tier just they because I was still at, I, I was still at the same at the point of like, okay. Would I ever draft Fantilli over Bedard? No, but I felt like Fantilli was closer to Bedard than the next player, uh, which I still do believe to an extent. Uh, and I have Fantilli in his own tier at number two. But oh my, yeah, I mean, look, Connor like Bedard. I oh, go. It, sorry, I, he, he was incredible. Like he was just unbelievable. Like the way that I kind of decide what my tiers are going to be is is this player closer to this tier than the other one? So is yeah. Fantilli closer to Bedard than he is to Cristal? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, you see, now, now I would agree. Before the tournament, I would have had counter arguments there. But now, and look, look, Fantilli had a very, very good tournament. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, he was misutilized quite badly for quite a while on Team Canada. Like, he never should have been playing on the fourth yeah. line. Um, I, I I don't I don't get why he was, but and and, and he had some wonderful flashes of skill. Like his, his goal against the U.S. I was raised. I watched that game with my dad, uh, who has not watched hockey in quite a while, despite playing when he was younger, uh, and. I was raving about about that goal for like five minutes after it. Uh, I I loved I, I loved his timing. I adored the way he drove the middle lane and and kept his head up and was adjusting his speed. Everything about it was just perfectly executed. Uh, the pass from Zach Dean was also beautiful. Um, but I, I, oh no, we couldn't have had him. He went thirtieth. Yeah, thirtieth. No, 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 twenty ninth. Well, because of a skipped pick. No, because it was pre-Seattle. It was pre-Seattle, yeah. so it was 31 picks in the draft. So it was Nolan Allen who went 31st. Not Logan pre-Seattle. Logan went 30th. And, uh, uh, and Seattle then, took Beniers in 21. Uh, Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, it was a skip pick then. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was uh, 13th, Arizona. Yeah, true. Combine violation or something. Yep. That team. That was the one. Great. Yeah, you are, you are indeed correct. Um, but yeah, um, no, but I mean, where was I going with Fantilli? Yeah, like he had a very good tournament, but I mean, Bedard really set himself apart. Like, what what he did is unprecedented, except for Peter Forsberg, which is basically just unprecedented because Peter Forsberg is just unbelievable. And he he did good in his draft season, yeah, exactly. It wasn't even his draft year, so. If we're talking yeah. about draft eligibles, yes, like what Conbardard did is quite literally unprecedented. And uh, yeah, it, it was just an unbelievable tournament. Um, obviously, it's at number one on my board that it's going to have to be said. Um, but Leo Carlson is a guy that I had. Uh, I, I moved up to, to third overall right on the eve of the tournament uh, because I, I watched the game of his and then posted a video analysis thread on him um, on Christmas Day. Uh, I was very productive on Christmas Day before opening presents or anything. I posted my thread. Um, but That was the present. That was the present. I mean, Aaron obviously had an even nicer Christmas than I did. Um, <laughs> Christmas, I worked a 12-hour shift for double pay. I'm Jewish, so it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> Just free money. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but Leo Carlson, who's I know someone that both of you have watched. Um, he he's a very impressive player and just a a, a hyper intelligent uh, playmaking power forward. Uh, and, and it's very interesting to me that that both Fantilli and Carlson are available this year because they, I, I think that Fantilli is really a tier above, but stylistically they are both extremely powerful and very intelligent very creative very skilled but also to the core they are both power forwards and uh they are both capable of playing center and uh, that is just a fun concept to me because the league has kind of moved away from the supremacy of power forwards to the point where they become kind of rare breeds to an extent right like we still have the miko ratmans and Sokoski just went Josh to Anderson. Ball. Josh Anderson, the power horse, of course. But it, we we moved away from the dominant power forward area era. But now with the incumbent, uh, with, with the most recent first overall pick, and now with Carlson Pantilli coming in, we're seeing this type of resurgence in 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 truly high end players who are power forwards, and and that's a very fun thing to me. Uh, and they're both very very fun to watch. Uh, but again, it's, it's an important combination of skills too, right? It's not, they are not good because they are power forwards. They are very good because they are so intelligent and skilled and all these other things, but they use those abilities to really optimize the, the power forward game, which is just lovely. And it's fun for hockey. And another power forward I'm a really big fan of in this draft is Ryan Leonard. I have him at 12th on my board. Um, he's my second favorite. U.S. NTDP player, uh, I have him a few slots ahead of Oliver Moore and a, and a tier above as well. But 
yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun draft class for power forwards because yeah, you have you go go down the list of 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 players that could be called power forwards, and there there, there are quite a few in this in this draft class, which is again kind of fun. But uh, yeah, so sorry for babbling on for so long. What are your thoughts on Leo Carlson? I have an opinion that I, it's not unique because I've seen some people post about this on Twitter, but I think it's unique in this podcast in that. I actually like Leo Carlson more than Adam Fantilli at this point. Ooh. I mean, it's it could be a bit of recency bias. I might have to check out a few games of Fantilli's, but I the way that I've seen Leo Carlson play and play in professional leagues is just blown me away. I mean, he's nowhere close to... Um, bedard good but honestly i have him i don't i'm not it is uh knowledgeable enough to put it together any kind of rankings or anything but i yeah i have him as my number two right now over adam fantilli i mean it's very close it's those it's bedard those two and the rest but i do like carlson more than Fantilli at this point. Wow. Okay. Uh, I have Carlson at four. I think that he, Carlson has a very high floor to be a... At this point, I'm not afraid to say that he's going to be a first-line center or just a very competent 1B. It's also a question of, of center or wing because he's not really played any center this season. Yeah, but... He, He's his game revolves around the middle, anyways. No, I I, I agree. Yeah. I, I do think he, I he, he does project as a center, but that is still a question mark. Uh, like I, I I do agree that I, I think that ends up being the result, but I I do also understand why some people are a little bit questioning that. It's kind of a similar situation with Luca Pinelli. Obviously, uh, like going down a few tiers in the draft. Uh, I, I have Pinelli at sixteen, but I think Luca Pinelli is going to be a winger at the NHL level. <sighs> I still see him as a center, but he's played every single game this season on the wing. Uh, so it's not thanks exactly another the argument to make. Abs prospect, but thanks to Vinny Rohr, of course. But I, 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 I do see Pinelli as a center, but that's that's a question for another day because today we we are talking about the World Junior players. Um, but yeah, yeah, Car- Carlson is is really intelligent, really fun, and. Yeah, I, I have very a third. physically mature too. Very, like he, uh, he can hold his own. He can definitely hold his own. It also does bring up some question marks of how much developing is left, both for him and Fantilli, right? Of of like, okay, they are are both already so powerful, so physically mature. Does that kind of cap the development a bit earlier than for other players, right? Uh, like, like. Go, it's funny because like in my in my uh like top seven rankings, I have three tiers. I have Bedard at one, Pantelli at two, separate tiers. Then I have a tier from three to seven. Uh and the top three players that I have in the draft are all between 185 and 194 pounds. Like Con Bedard is 185 pounds. He is stocky. Um, and then you go down the list of all the other ones, and it's like, oh, Mitchkov, 159 pounds, Andrew Kristal, 165. Zach Benson, 159. Jane Perron, 141. I have Jane Perron makes makes draftier Lane Hudson look, look beefy with a whole eight pounds on him. Like, uh, yeah, it, it's there, there's a lot of small players at the top end of the draft that has that have so much physical development left to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wild it's a wild tier for me. Like like three to seven. I could rearrange in almost any order. I think I think I'm pretty good with Zach Benson and Jaden Perron at six and seven, but Leo Carlson, Mishkov, and Kristal. Like you put that in a blender, whichever way that comes out, I'd be pretty happy with it. The reason I have Kristal over Carlson right now is I can see Kristal turning into a genuine superstar, like Mitch Marner. Like like he, he could goals, be able to Mitch Marner. assists. Yeah, like like I could see I could see yeah. uh, Andrew Kristal develop into. A playmaking first, but having a tremendous release uh, as as a very skilled first line winger on a contending team. M- Mitch Marner with perhaps like a, definitely a worse top speed 
Uh, definitely worse defensively, uh, but a better shot. I, I, I can also I can see that, that Mitch style player has come a long way from when he was fourth overall. Exactly, because you have to develop a lot, right? Well, um, I started scouting last year, so I I can't really say what Marner was like in his draft year, but I can't imagine he was some sort of defensive superstar. That was no according to Toronto <laughs> fans in the uh, Selkie conversation. Yes. Um, why, Josh? Do you not believe that Mitch Marner is a Selkie candidate? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't like a lot of defensive awards because I feel like it goes to the best defensive forward that also pr- produces a ton of points. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I've in any sport that I've played or anything like that, I've always been in the back end um so i always like defensive play and defenders a lot more so it's always like oh it's the best defensive player that also scored at least 70 points kind of thing yeah Uh, which is why patrice bergeron is just like to the point where they might rename the award after him they should (laughs) they really should yeah make it the the bergeron or the gainey like, I, I, the one trophy I never want them to rename is Art Ross because Art Ross or Rocket Richard is a, is a graduate from Sebastian my uh, high school. Art what? Graduated mm. from our high school. I mean, I, I knew Leonard Cohen, but I did not know of Art Ross. It's because like Art Ross never really played. Like, did he ever play? Was he a coach? <laughs> exactly. You are asking me for something yeah, I do exactly, not know. But he graduated from our high school, so that's pretty cool. Let's go, Art Ross. West Mount High represent. Wow, um, right. God. Yeah. I mean, hey, to, to be fair, by the time, like, when, when he was studying, it was in a, probably, it was in a different building. They I probably it was moved, South, like, like, three yeah. times since then. But, yeah. Same name. Big name. Um, I can't believe you didn't know that. No, that is a weird one. Like, like I, I should have known that one as a hockey fan and as a West Mount High student. Um yeah, that so is he a did weird. play hockey. He played a total of three NHL games. Oh, what a bet! Uh, okay. Wow, the, as, well, as less an Arbor Jack guy. Well, that was because he was born in 1885 and played most of his time before the NHL was a thing. And so the last three professional hockey games he played was with the Montreal Wanderers. Everyone's favorite defunct. I wonder. I wonder what happened. What, what happened to them again? Didn't their like arena burn down? Uh, I think they just they just crashed and burned out of the league, quite literally. But yeah, yeah. He, he's one of those players that you see inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and played like maybe ten games in the NHL, but just because it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, and I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode because we have hit most of the notable draft eligibles from the World Juniors. I know there are a few names that we may have skipped on, uh, like Maxim Sturbach, who played quite a few minutes from Slovakia, who's solid um, in transition, but I still have some question marks about in terms of whether he's someone I had ranked in the top two rounds. Um, But... Yeah, um, I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Come get your duds in order, because we're bound across the water. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. Come get your duds in order, because we're bound to leave tomorrow. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. We're bound for Liverpool, sometimes we're bound for Spain. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. But now we're bound for old St. John's where all the girls are dancing. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all...